shit and paper on this player haters old news money on the other line so I'm welcome not- back to another edition of I'm not gonna hold you man episode 13 as usual I'm your host Scott man you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at barbchair Scott Follow HB Media, HB Media TV on Twitter, and follow them at HB Media on Instagram. And you can follow the network, the Barber's Chat Network, at Barber's Chat Net on Twitter and Instagram. Subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash Barber's Chat Network. Man, of course, we upload something on there at least every week, man. So stay in tune with that. Uh, man, it's been a very busy week in sports in the NFL. We got some NBA to talk about with Media Day. Got my brother Flo's coming on in just a hot second to talk about the Bears and the crazy week it's been for them. But we're going to start off with my sound off, man. I want to dedicate it to the 2021 American League Central Division Champions, the Chicago White Sox. As you see, I got on my home Tim Anderson jersey. So salute to the captain, T.A. Uh, I just want to give a shout-out to them, man, because... This has been a long time coming. Uh, Last week I came on this show and I was talking about my concerns for this roster going into the playoffs. I still have some concerns, but they've really turned up the heat uh, the way they've been playing the last week, uh, clinching the division last week, and, you know, really actually playing playing like they give a fuck, which is what I've been wanting them to do. Uh, Really, the second half of the season, they just kind of been going through the motions. Of course, they had a lot of injuries. We just got the full squad back. So, but I want to take a deeper look at it. If you're a White Sox fan, this is it's been a it's been a dark period for us after 2005. You know, 2005 we won the World Series. In 2006, um, we had uh, you know a great season actually, won 90 games. But that just happened to be the season where everybody in the division wanted to show up. You know, Detroit won that division. Cleveland won 90 games. We finished in third place. And it was just real dark period out there. 2008, we made the playoffs. But everybody knew that, you know, we weren't going to do anything once we actually got to the playoffs. And I think that's why people love the blackout game so much. Because it was, it, was, it was a good moment. This team didn't even get to the playoffs. People love the blackout game so much that we, that we forget. That wasn't an actual playoff game. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was an extra game of the regular season to decide we wouldn't be the division champions. And after that, it's just been bad, bad, bad uh, baseball. And in 2016... Jay Reinsdorf finally let Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn actually do the full teardown, man. And, of course, we all know it started with Chris Sale. Chris Sale being traded to Boston. We got Yohan Moncada and Michael Kopech. And then it just started from there. You know, 2017, we traded uh, Jose Quintana to the north side for Eloy Jimenez and D- Dylan Seas, which is looking like one of the worst trades in Cub history right now. I mean, we all know Eloy is going to be a star. But Dylan Seas, it's starting to look like he might be a star. And so it just kind of kept building up from there. And in 2019, the... The uh, franchise, the front office actually spent money in the, in the free agency and now brings us to where we are now. You know, division champions, 90 wins as we're speaking. Of course, they when you hit, when you watch this, it'll probably, it might be 91 wins, but at least 90 wins. First time since 2006, and this team is healthy now. This team is healthy. This team is uh, starting to get together. Luis Robert, I'm telling you right now, man, I've seen damn near all of Frank Thomas's career. I saw... All of Paul Canerco's career. And I'm telling you right now, this kid, Luis Robert, is going to be the best player to ever wear a White Sox uniform. What he does is incredible. And this is just only in 60 games what we've seen from him. I mean, he's just been knocking the ball out the park since he came back from injury, which missed damn near the whole season. And I just cannot wait to see what he can do in a full 162 next year. I really think he's going to be an MVP candidate. I mean, you look at the guys like Fernando Tatis, Vladimir Jr., and uh, Juan Soto, uh, you know, and guys like that. I think he's going to join that fold of, of great young talent who have superstar written all over them. Man, it's just a fun team. 
and I'm ready for this run. I truly believe this team can beat anybody. I think they're going to have a tough matchup against the Houston Astros. It's a team that has ran the American League the last five years. Shit, they've been in the ALCS four straight years. They won a World Series, went to another World Series in 2019. Uh, And so, you know, it's going to be a tough battle. Uh, we'll get into full, full breakdown of that. I'm doing a special edition of the He Gone podcast, which will be dropping next week. I'm going to have, you know, some some very uh, cool people in, in the White Sox uh, media space that I, I, I fuck with. We're going to have them on talk about it full, full breakdown. But I think this team is can, can do it. I think this is the era, and I think that can beat anybody, man. I'm really, really excited to see this team start their playoff journey next Thursday, October 7th. Uh, whether it's whether it's in Houston or Chicago is yet to be determined. I'm pretty sure it will be in Houston because they have a two and a half game lead, and unless they jag these last couple of games, the White Sox will probably be on the road. But if you're going to be a good team, if you're going to win championships, you got to win on the road, man. And I think this team can do it. So I'm excited. Uh, salute to Tim Anderson. Salute to Jose Abreu. Salute to uh, Jerry Reinsdorf. Got to salute him because you know actually letting. Uh, the White Sox letting Rick Hahn do his job and salute to Rick Hahn. Salute to Kenny Williams, Rich Homie Ken, as I like to call, call him. And I'm actually going to salute Tony La Russa. Salute to Tony La Russa, man. I got to give it to the old man. Uh, I never thought he was a bad manager, obviously. He's probably he's the greatest living manager of all time. And the issue I had when they hired him last year was I didn't know how he could relate to the young clubhouse. And I just felt like he was past his prime. You know, it kinda, to me, it kind of felt like what if Phil Jackson – uh, you know, came out of retirement, decided to teach. I mean, to uh, coach like a team like uh, like Milwaukee. To me, it'd have been a little bit out of touch, but he shut me up. You know, he had a little issue with Yerm early in the season, but he bounced back from it. And I gotta give him credit for that. The fact this team won ninety wins, won ninety games, being injured ninety seven percent of the season, like it was the most hurt team in baseball. If this team was healthy, there's not a doubt in my mind we'd be up there with the Giants and the Dodgers in the 100-win category. So I got to salute Tony Russo, man. Just a real, real good job. Real, real fun time for the White Sox franchise. I think it's the beginning of our window. And uh, I'm ready to get it going, man. So, um, yeah, salute to him. And uh, right now, we're bringing in my brother Flows. You know, you can follow him on Twitter, at Flows and Delaney. This is the 79th and Hallis Minute. We're going to get into some Bears talk right now. Uh, it's been a wild week. Not even a wild week. Wild couple of days for the Bears, man. Now, before we get into Matt Nagy's ridiculous press conference today, which I feel like we say this every fucking week at this point, let's talk about the news that broke uh, Tuesday night. Of course, I'm going to say it was actually last night, but we recorded this on a Wednesday. On Tuesday night with the Bears buying property in Arlington Heights for their new stadium. I think the price was like $197 million that they're paying for the space. This just means it's pretty much official tissue. Like it's it's it's, it's a wrap. It's gonna happen. The move is gonna happen. Of course, I was against the move at first because I was on my city. The city team needs to be in the city. Then I saw SoFi Stadium, and I saw the Raiders Stadium. I was like, man, fuck this. We, wait, we wait. Deserve- SoFi Stadium isn't it in L.A. It's Inglewood. It's L.A. But it's, it's Inglewood though. It's, it's L.A. County, but it's Inglewood. It's not actual L.A. city, but gotcha. Gotcha. But uh, uh, but yeah, and once I saw how beautiful those stadiums look, and of course, SoFi was that last year, but wasn't no fans in there, so you really couldn't get the full gist of it. When I saw this, I was like, that shit looks fucking amazing. So if you see all these teams with that, and I'm like, okay, I want the Bears to get in. Then we saw the whole back and forth with Lori Lightfoot. She went on the radio this morning talking like Big Gucci. Uh, what, what, what's your opinion on everything going down and, and fans who are still processing? Because I was listening to Cap. And Jay Hood this morning. There was some fans in there who who don't want it to happen. 
Well, first of all, Lori Lightfoot and big ass suits gotta relax. You dealing with a family <laughs> in Chicago that's been here longer. You know, first of all, you're not even from here, so you need to you need to relax. The McCassies have been here longer than some of my ancestors. You know, what I'm saying this family is just going to be in Chicago, and when they want something done, it's gonna get done. Um, I think for a team like Chicago, which adds so much to your economy, bear in mind, I'm not saying a stadium is a great investment. I don't know how a stadium is working out for Dallas. I don't know how it's working out for LA, LA County. I'm not sure at all. But when a team like the Bears wants major improvements done, why not work with them? What's the point of being tough in in the press and the media? What What do you gain from that? You know what I'm saying? You're an adult. They're adults. Talk to them. Try to see what's going on. It is an objective fact that Soldier Field is an outdated stadium. Oh, yeah. That's just the truth. Uh, is it as bad as First Energy Stadium in Cleveland? No. But is it outdated? It's outdated. So if you want to catch up to cities like Los Angeles, cities like Dallas, why not? Why not so have you, a conversation? So even, with even Atlanta got a new stadium. Exactly. Why not have a conversation with them? You're one of the founding marquee teams of this league. Let's let's try to work and 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 move beyond that. But what happens when you know a billionaire family don't get what they want? They're gonna move on. Yeah. And so they purchased that space in Arlington Heights. I'm not sure where they're going to get probably, what, six, six, in between three to six billion dollars for the stadium. Well, they were saying on the radio today that there's going to be a whole bunch of investors who, you of know, course. are going to want that. The NFL wants it. And what they can also do is what the Raiders and the Rams did. They can borrow money from the this NFL like plan they have. Like, I think, like, the Rams, the Rams, uh, borrow like 500 million or some shit like that. So, mm-hmm. It's going to get done. When, yeah, when, yeah. when I, Big I, Raj wants it to get done, it's going to fucking happen. I, I think with Dallas, I think it was just number of the tax, taxes or something. But Dallas basically was like, yes, build yeah. the stadium. Whereas in, you know, with Illinois, I know it's a little bit harder. I know fans don't like the concept of it not being in Chicago. Um, and adding 75 plus thousand people on the, uh, on the E-way to get there. It's not an easy feat. Bear in mind, it is being construction done on the 294, on the 90. I'm not sure if that has, I'm, I'm for sure that has no relation. But that'll be a challenge in of itself. But if you have a space that has its own parking, easier ways to get in, make tailgating easier, I'm pretty sure you can handle the con- congestion that comes with that. But, you know, fans have to understand that it's a business move. But if the city isn't cooperating, what do you want to do? And who cares if it's not in the actual city? You know what I'm saying? I mean, the look, Detroit, I, I, Detroit I, Pistons I, don't play in Detroit. They play Auburn well, 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 now they do. They back in Detroit? Yeah, Little Caesars Arena is right next to where the Tigers First play. It's off, downtown. Arena? It's called Little Caesars Arena. Yeah. Well, excuse yeah. me. Yeah, they've been before in a new minute, stadium for about two seasons now. Well, for before that, they were what? In Auburn Hills for a while. How long were they in Auburn Hills? Ten years? Ten years? Forever. Forever. Like before before the and the and the, and the, um they played in the um some dome in the early eighties when when um What's his face? Isaiah Thomas just got drafted. So this is their first time actually being in Detroit in like 40 years. And so yeah, fans have to understand, is it that important that they're in Chicago when you have to deal with the headache that a soldier feel? Like I've been sitting trying to get in the Waldron lot uh, for 15 minutes and I'm maybe 200 yards away from the, uh, the entrance to that. That's not good. Yeah. And if you want to tailgate, you're going to have to get up before the sun comes up. <laughs> yeah, You know what I'm saying? Uh, if, if there's something to improve it, yeah. But I, I understand the frustration of it not being there. Now, as far as, you know, it's going to be too expensive, you wouldn't get them tickets in. Yeah, and that's that's one thing. I Thank you. My nigga, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> Uh, you ain't getting them tickets anyway, bro. Yeah, they, like you weren't you weren't gonna go to the fucking game anyway. But it's like also you gotta look at it from this. Like it's not just gonna be 
just the stadium. It's gonna be like a Bears town. You know what I'm saying? They're gonna have a gambling uh, spot in there. They're gonna have. They're gonna build hotels over there. It's gonna be restaurants, bars. So it's more of an easier way. So if, even if you do take a train on your commute, you can get there early, kick it. I'm pretty sure they're gonna announce a new Bears hall, uh, wall of uh, Hall of Honor, which they should have did a long ass time ago. Uh, they're gonna have different things like that. If you look at every stadium. Out in the in the in the with the in the city outside of the White Sox, there's nothing around there. The United Center, it looks completely different by the United Center now. There's restaurants over there, there's bars over there. It looks different. It's Wrigleyville, still developing too. Yeah, it's still developing too. Wrigleyville, look, and Wrigleyville's always cracking. And look what they did renovation wise. <laughs> it's its own neighborhood. <laughs> it's its own neighborhood. And like the thing that you know, we we can go back and blame the city. And this is not actually Lori Lightfoot's. Uh, you know, fault. Like she wasn't there when these deals were negotiated. They had a, you know, when Jared came on the show on, on my first episode, he said that, you know, there was something they could have did in McCormick place way, way back. And then the city was like, no, so really this is all on the city for not getting this job done. And then some people's like, it's just a negotiation tactic. When you put down your name on the paper, it is no longer a negotiation. You start tactic. spending actual money. Yeah. When you start in, spending actual money, it's hundreds a of million. No, that sounds like you're moving. The yeah. city can do something, tear down McCormick place. It's not being used 75% of the time. Whatever. And also, like, people was like, oh, well, a couple people I heard on the radio this morning was, oh, well, you know, you want bear weather. Look, man, bear weather is overrated. Like, that that shit, that's going to be, I'm fine with a dome. There's going to be Super Bowls there. There's going to be a WrestleMania there. There's going to be Final Fours there. There's other stuff that you can do. And then I, I don't get the nostalgia. Like, ain't like we won nothing in that building. It's not, this ain't Yankee Stadium. This ain't, this ain't Fenway. I will say that. Bear weather, like when it's cold, you only don't notice it when you're playing football. Yeah. When you're literally on the field, yeah, sure, your body is going to try to heat itself up to deal with the cold. But when you're in the stands, why do you want to sit in negative 20 or 10 degree weather? What do you want that for? And it's not really an advantage because I, I, some Packer fan called too and she was like, he said it's cold to Lambeau Field every year. The Bucks still came in and kicked our ass. Like, it doesn't matter. It's about who you have better players on the field or not. That's what it's about. I mean, it's nothing. Yeah, so, you know, but as far as the football side, and this was something that Cap floated around today, and he said it's just speculation, but everything that comes out of Cap's mouth, I feel like it's come from somewhere else. He said mm-hmm. it's a perfect opportunity for the Bears sometime this season when, when it gets, goes off the rails, and it will go off the rails, and they decide if they decide to get rid of, rid of, Matt, get rid of Matt Nagy, they can have a uh, conference like, look, we're going to move Ted to the stadium building project. Ryan did a great job building a new facility for the new Hallis Hall, which is one of the best facilities in football. We're going to add him to the project, and we're going to bring in a new hire to be the president of football operations, and he's going to decide what to do with the GM and the coach, which to me is the best way possible. It helps. Cap was saying this is going to happen, or? No, he said this is speculation from him, but I feel like when Cap says stuff like this, he heard it from somewhere else. So he said it's pure speculation, though. But to me, that's the, a great idea because they're still a family business. You take care of Ted and Ryan. You don't fire them. Mm-hmm. And you allow the football operations to be football operations. Like we always said, bring in Peyton Manning. We already know the McCaskies have a great relationship with Peyton. Do it. You know what I'm saying? So what, what do you think about that aspect? Well, one thing for sure is the only compliment, compliment I will give Ted Phillips is he knows how to manage money He's in, terms a good of building, yeah. in terms of building the Bears into a profitable organization. The Bears make money hand over foot. Yeah. And I would like to say it's because of the changes that Ted has been a part of. He has done a great job of having the Bears market or having the Bears become a marketable team. And putting him in charge of that, you know, the Arlington Heights operation, I think would be fantastic. 
Yeah. Ryan, you know, I would just say fire him, but whatever. Um, his his entire career has been spent doing football things, you know, business wise. I'm not sure if I even say he's managing the cap well, but I would say yes to put Ted Phillips in that direction. And if you the Bears and most Chicago teams tend to be loyal to people. Of course, yeah. you saw Reinsdorf bringing in LaRusa decades later because that's my guy. You know what I'm saying? So, sure, if you want to make that move, I understand it. And then you bring in somebody who is re- primarily responsible for making football moves. I would love the idea of Peyton Manning because Peyton Manning is a football savant. He knows the game. And just watching him and Eli, you can see the, the itch. The itch looks like it's there. This is yeah. speculation by myself. But the itch looks like it's there. And I would have no doubt he would probably bring in somebody who is, not, if not as knowledgeable, as passionate as he is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that would be a fantastic move. Why not do it? And then also, like, from the money aspect, you brought how, how Ted puts it all together. The Bears are the seventh most valuable NFL franchise, according to Forbes, and they're 15 in sports. And this is from – they don't even own their building. So, with them owning their building, they can easily catapult up in there. And that's going to help a lot, too. But let's get to the, the stuff on the field, man. Before we get into Nagy's press conference, I saw you some things you put on Twitter today about people judging Justin Fields and these rookie quarterbacks. I was one of the many people who got blocked by Ben Albright on Twitter. All I said was, uh, I told him he was just tweeting the tweet, and he said, look at the film. I was like, I looked at the film yesterday. You tweeting the tweet. And so he blocked me after that. So I, what I'm trying to what gets on my nerves is how much pressure we put on these rookie quarterbacks. You can't look with an actual eye. Watch Justin Fields' performance this week and grade it either bad or good. He didn't have time to throw with anything. And I don't care how bad Zach Wilson looks. Zach Wilson looks terrible. Trevor Lawrence looks terrible. But they're rookies. That's going to happen. None of these and all three of these rookies have bad offensive lines. The only reason Matt Jones looks half decent because he's with the greatest coach of all time. And last week, he looked terrible. So yeah. what's, your, what's your thought on that, everybody in, in these, these rookie quarterbacks? Well, somebody like Ben Albright, I, I, I blocked apparently a long time ago. So I, like, I, I look on my Twitter and I was like, oh, he's already blocked. Okay, so that's good. Um, he a, lo- a lot of national media has to be correct when they make these sort of statements. And so I have to be right. I have to do this. But you don't. You can be wrong. And in a situation with Mac Jones, with uh, Justin Fields, with Trevor Lawrence, with Zach Wilson, and then eventually Trey Lance, you got to give them time. Peyton Manning was sitting at one point at two touchdowns and 10 interceptions early in his career. And I mean making awful throws that none of them were there. I mean, he was even scrambling and throwing across his body to the left side of the field while he was on the right side of the field. It looked awful, but he had to learn. He had to learn. The first season for a rookie quarterback, unless you are an exceptional case, Patrick like a Holmes. Russell, you know, like a Patrick, well, Patrick Holmes, oh, Russ. In like a Russell Wilson. We're talking yeah, you're about right. Yeah. Actual players who played in their actual rookie year, uh, uh, in the inmate from Houston and Russell Wilson, those are some and of Justin the, Herbert. Justin Herbert. Those are some of the few players who will come out of their gate just slinging the rock. And it does not happen 90% of the time. Majority of them need time to adjust. If they're not adjusting on the field, they're adjusting on the bench and being uh, 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 in practice. And that, that that's what happens. You need to have time to adjust. Justin Fields had a few plays. Like one of the plays Benjamin Albright mentioned was uh, a design rollout to the left. You know, he's running the boulet to the left, lines caving to the right. And he had the Allen Robinson window for a second. But in NFL – that is it. That is the window you have. That to window throw. closes. Yeah. The window closes, and as soon as he was about to break, throw it. Throw it to that area. Justin waited, and of course, he got Allen Robinson got smothered, and that was it. But that was that was his read. 
There was, if that read was not there, the play was not to break down. He got to find something else. He didn't make that read. That was his fault. And I what you have to say that that's your, that's a bad play by him. But you have to give him time to adjust to this. Justin Justin Fields has done plenty of things throughout his college career that shows he can read defenses fast. He can read defenses uh, slowly when he's going through his progressions. He has all those tools. But getting adjusted to the fact that the defensive lineman can catch you while you're running and that cornerback can close that space easily is a lot different. When he was playing at Ohio State, Olave is burning the entire defense. That's all he made against Clemson. When it was it was a play action, he lost it maybe 40, 50 yards to Chris uh, to Olave. That in the NFL, the safety would have been back there. But at the same time, he still made that read in that play. But he's gonna have to get adjusted to the fact that the windows are not open. And since the windows are not open, I have to get out as quick as I can. And yeah. then eventually, when they start respecting his game, his legs, David Montgomery's legs, the offensive line, you will start to see those holes be a little bit bigger. It's the same with Tom Brady. You blitz Tom Brady too much, he's just going to get the ball out of his hands. Right, when you exactly. stop getting the ball out of his hands, he's going to let the play develop. That is what makes a good quarterback a good quarterback. But it needs time to develop. The greatest of all time developed. Yeah. He developed into the greatest of all time. He didn't He didn't become lights out till he started, I think I want to say his fourth, fifth, sixth season. He didn't become lights out till he got Randy Moss. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so look, you, you just got to gotta calm down a little bit. Even look and, at Drew Brees. It didn't click for Drew Brees to his final year in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And then when he got with Sean Payton, he went to another level. You know what I'm saying? And so to say that someone's not ready after a game, that's just I I, I want to almost say it's deductively. Well, I'm saying dedu- deductively, the print the 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 premise and the conclusion don't follow each other. And so if that's the case, it's subjectively false. I almost want to say it's subjectively false, but I don't think I can actually say it logically. But I will say it is the closest thing to being objectively false to saying someone's not ready. Zach Wilson is still my guy. I still think he's going to end up being. A Hall of Famer later on. Zach Wilson? Career. Zach Wilson, yes. As a Hall of Famer? Yes. That's how high I am on Zach Wilson. I think he okay. has literally all the tools there. Trevor Lawrence, the game is getting there, but he's still making some terrible throws. But I have all the faith in the world. In, I have all the faith in the world in Trevor and Justin. I think they're going to be studs. I don't, I'm not a Zach Wilson guy. And even if Zach Wilson does become good, it won't be with the Jets. Just look at Sam Darnold. Uh, Sam Darnold looks legit good now. Though. This is true. This is true. Different, different coach staff, same old Jets. But uh, and Mac Jones, I think Mac Jones can be a, a solid quarterback. As, as long as Belichick decides to stay there, I think he can be solid. Belichick right now is allowing Mac is not allowing is he still has the he, he's still holding Mac Jones' hand, which yeah. is the correct thing to do. Yeah, you know he let Mac Jones cut a little bit loose. He got a few more interceptions, but that's okay. Belichick is letting him grow. And he knows this season is not it's not a Super Bowl season. Yeah. And coaches have to be honest with themselves and saying, this this year ain't it. The Jaguars, that this year ain't it. Uh, and with the Jets this year, certainly is not it. Yeah, now with Trey Lance, <laughs> Trey Lance and the 49ers, I understand them keeping Jimmy G in because yeah. you still got great skill players and you still yeah. have a great defense. So you can't put Trey Lance in, in there and accept every single turnover he makes. That that's not something you're gonna do. And I think Trey is very very wet behind the, the ears. He's a he's yeah. a, he's a project. He's a project. And yeah, I just want to say this to, to Bears fans: just because Matt Nagy is bad doesn't mean that Mitchell Trubisky was good. I want to say that now. Do I feel like Mitch was set up to fail? One thousand percent. One thousand percent. I feel like Mitch could have been a little bit better if. Nagy wasn't as bad, but one thing you got to know about the NFL, NFL is a second chance league. Yeah, 
Nobody else wanted him to be the head, but he'd be the uh, starting quarterback. Nobody else in the league. I also and, think it's because people still had a little bit of um, benefit of the doubt for Matt Nagy. I okay. Think, I think if if, Mitch, if 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 this season was to tell anything, Mitch would probably have a better chance at um, the free agent market. But I think I don't think Mitch could have been some impressive player. I think he could have been no. a, a game manager. There was many times where he had good protection. It was a good play. He didn't do shit with it. it let's get into rookie year. He's a pro bowler, but whatever. Let me fourth, fourth option. alternate. Yeah, fourth alternate. But let's get into our last topic, man. Today's Matt Nagy press conference, which he said absolutely nothing. Now, you weren't there today, but uh, you will be there tomorrow. Uh, now, the news that came out, Danny Trevathan can be activated this week. It's three weeks on the IR uh, uh, up, which is good because I'm tired of looking at Alex Ogletree. Uh, so that would be uh, good to see have him back up there, Roquan. Uh, he did not commit to a quarterback. He says that both Andy – and Justin will practice in some capacity, and then he'll make the decision on that. I still think it's going to be Justin on Sunday. Unless fucking Andy Hill like Wolverine, I see no way that he plays Sunday, especially with Schefter saying a couple days ago he's still a couple weeks away. And when he says when he, when he says he's going to practice in some capacity, I'm expecting it to be limited, kind of like what Eddie Goldman was, but I don't expect him to play. So what... What do you think is going to be the, who's going to be the starter? And also, did you notice when they asked him about the All Into Project, he said, uh, asked, asked uh, Ted about that. And granted, the Bears have not allowed access to Ted and George since January, which I thought was funny. I don't have enough experience as a journalist to know how often you get to talk to McCaskey and Phillips. I talked to them at the end of last no i, yeah, I talked to them at the yeah the, at the end of the season the middle. Yeah, yeah yeah and they had that press conference and say just for starters we're going to say we think ryan and matt we think ryan and matt are still building something the egregious press conference which is just disrespectful but um to to the fans but i exactly i don't have any, i don't have much experience knowing when you should talk like i would have to uh examine other teams to know when you should you know how often you should hear from them uh, uh that being said with matt Nagy's press conference it, it was a little bit. Of, I, I wonder if there's a little bit of tension. And of course, I'm still young as a journalist and as a reporter, so I don't have a relationship enough to, to say. And I'm not going to bring sources out of my ass and say, well, according to my sources, something happened. I don't know. I do not know what's happening just yet. But it was a little interesting to hear we're going to have to ask them, you know, about Arlington. He's like, oh, you know, we don't pay attention to social media. Yes, you do. You know, I get a text here now that says what happened. You know what's happening. Yeah, he this knows, is the so. organization you're a part of. You know what's happening with the Arlington move. That sounds like a, I'm just annoyed by the question because I'm annoyed, period. And I don't want to answer it, which is fine. The only thing that I think us as media has asked Nagy is just to be honest. You know what I'm saying? When we were talking to uh, Juan, Coach Juan Castillo, which I have a lot of problems with his own schemes and the fact that I don't think he should be the coach. At least he was honest and said, we went against two tough guys and Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. And we realized we ain't there yet. I was like, that's all. If you're honest, you give a little bit of credibility to yourself. People say, well, okay, well, they, you're just going to have to build from there. Within this press conference, it shows Matt Nagy's immaturity as a coach. Uh, the fact that he's just not willing, like when he says, oh, it all starts with me, you know, you guys know I'm always going to go, you know, be honest with myself. No, we don't. No, we don't. All right, don't that's know. the problem. I've sat in that hall numerous, uh, countless times, was out there the entire training camp. No, you're not. You're not honest. That is the biggest issue. You're not honest. And in terms of, who calls the plays? You know, that's a bit of gamemanship. No, it isn't. Teams know how Bill Lazor calls plays because they have a stretch of him calling, calling it last year. They know how you call plays because they have your entire career to watch. 
They know these things. Now, in terms of all oh, we don't, you know, which quarterback do they have to grind for? It's as simple as, oh, this is the play sheet for them. This is the play sheet for them. These people are professional football players, coaches, and staff. This is all they do 24-7. They can game plan for you easily. When they see Justin trot out, oh, we know Justin's in there. They see Andy trot out, we know Andy's in there. Um, in terms of Andy's injury, if he came back from a bone bruise in a week, shout out to him. Um, part of me wonders if 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 I was uh, his agent, Justin Fields' agent, would I want him to be developed by Nagy? So part of me does not even care about him playing anymore. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I'm at the point where I don't care who starts because I, 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 I thought I thought it was Stephen A. Stephen A. said he says he said if I'm the Bears, I don't I don't play him again until Nagy's out of there. You know, and so I'm not really, I'm not, if he, if it's Andy next week, fine. Cause we all know it's going to happen. I think the Bears going to beat the Lions regardless who starts this week. Cause it's either going to be a Andy or a Justin. It's not going to be, it's not going to be full. Well, I think he'll. It's going to be the Jared Goff meat show. That's what it's going to be. I, I just, it's the Lions, man. Don't me wrong, I hope the Lions win. Cause that man. means, that I, means it's going to get I, dark, I, but I, I don't I, see I, it happening. For the first time in a while, I think the Lions have a good seed of an idea in place it's not going to end up with jared Goff being the future but i think they have a seed of an idea in place in every single game they fighting their tails off they're just fighting their tails off jared Goff's going to drop it on the <laughs> drop it on the bears and will that change something in, in hell eh, who knows my, my whole entire uh, uh mentality about it is expect nothing and bears fans Expect nothing. Expect nothing. Uh, we're going to wrap this up, man. Uh, as usual, you can check out 79th The House uh, pregame podcast, which will be dropping every Saturday on uh, Barber's Chair Patreon. Uh, we'll be back with a recap on Monday. And, uh, yeah, man, stay tuned. Follow them. F-Flows and Lenny. Follow 79th The House, 79th A&D Hallis on Twitter, man. And uh, well, I'll let you next week. Now, let's get into it, man. Uh, week three is in the book, man. It's a lot of storylines going on from this past week. I'm going to break down my top three storylines. Number one, I'm going to talk about the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, man, here in L.A., got Rams fever. Now, of course, I always said the Rams are the third biggest uh, football team in Los Angeles. <laughs> There's still a lot of Raider fans out here. Still a lot of damn Cowboy fans out here. But the Rams, man... Uh, Big win. The 3-0 right now. Uh, Matthew Stafford has looked excellent. Uh, and a huge win against the defending champions last week at SoFi Stadium. And can I just say that SoFi Stadium looks like it might be the new kicking spot in L.A. I mean, I have never seen that many celebrities at a non-Super Bowl game in my entire life. You know, they brought out LeBron. LeBron was there. Russell Westbrook was there. Anthony Davis was there. Uh, Carmelo Anthony. Uh, Kawhi Leonard. Paul George. I mean, Mike Tyson was there. Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, you know, they brought, they got fucking Dr. Dre out the house. You know, Dr. Dre don't leave the house for nobody. You know, they had Jason Sudeikis was in there, Magic Johnson. It was just a whole bunch of celebrities there. And so it's really looking like they're really starting to get, you know, a lot of attention there. People just want to go there and see, uh, see a great game. Uh, and I think that's cool for them. And the Rams, for the first time to me, have a legit home field advantage. That's something they didn't have in the Coliseum. Now, of course, I do believe that other f- fan bases will come in and they will infiltrate that place when, when you go up against the bigger teams. You know, there was a, a large contention of Bears fans in there on the first week of the season, you know, and I'm pretty sure it keeps spreading like that. But it's the first time since the Rams have been back in Los Angeles where I really felt like, they have a home field advantage. And they went out there and they just took it to the champs, man. They took it to Brady. Uh, they took it to the, to that defense, sliced them, diced them. And I think the Rams are for real. Now, of course, I did pick 
the San Francisco 49ers to win the division in my uh, NFL preview episode. I'm not going to back off of that just because they had one win. I mean, one loss against the Packers, which, come on, everybody with a brain knows you don't give Aaron Rodgers 37 seconds, man. But, you know, we're not going to get into that right now. But I'm not going to get off the Niners bandwagon. But what I mean by the Rams are for real is they're for real a legit contender to win uh, the NFC to win that division. You know, I still think Tom Brady's going to come out there, but I wouldn't be shocked. And with my criticisms of Matthew Stafford, I've never thought that Matthew Stafford was a bad quarterback at all. I've had a front row seat to watch Matt, Matt Stafford his entire career with him being a Detroit Lion. And I feel like he's a really good quarterback, but I don't feel like he's the one that's going to take you over the hump to win a championship. Let's not forget, Jared Goff still led this team to a Super Bowl. So I still think that he can do the same. I just don't I just don't think he's that caliber of quarterback that when you need that pass, that clutch pass in a playoff game, that he can do that for you. Still remains to be seen. But as far as the Rams, I think they're a for real legit NFC contender. And uh, I do think that, you know, we might, they might have to, you know, have to face the the Buccaneers again, man. So it's going to be interesting to watch that going forward. Now, my next big storyline of the week, Now I came here last week, one of my top three games to watch was Chiefs Chargers. And my man, Jay Herbo, man, like I said last week, he had a lot to prove because Patrick Mahomes was talking spicy. Mahomes was talking spicy all offseason, said, I want to see it again. And he did. He did it again. He came in, put his feet up on Mahomes' couch. Made the game win a touchdown. He was phenomenal all night. That was a big win for the Chargers. And now the Chiefs, man, the Chiefs, are, uh, uh, you know, they're 1-2 for the first time in the Mahomes era. They're in fourth place, man. And this is going to be interesting because now I feel like, you know, I don't think the Chiefs are done by any stretch of the matter. You know, I still think they're going to win this division. But he now has company, man. This is not going to be a division where he's just going to be able to run over anymore. You know, you got to face another big doll in Justin Herbert. And I feel like this is a very key moment and Herbert's career. And I really feel like the Chiefs have been talking a lot of shit. To me, the way the Chiefs have carried themselves since the offseason, you'd have thought that they won the Super Bowl. Not only did they not win the Super Bowl, these motherfuckers ain't even scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And the arrogance to me is where a lot of teams are really getting in their ass now. And the defense, which has always been a problem, is even a bigger problem now. But the issue here is turnovers. Something we never see Patrick Mahomes do. He threw two turnovers, two touch, two interceptions last week. An interception that pretty much sealed the game for them and gave the Chargers excellent field position so Herbert could go down there and score that touchdown. He has never thrown an uh, interception in September up until this year. He hasn't even lost in September up until this year, man. And now they got to work for a little bit more, man. And so I'm really excited to see these battles. I think this could possibly be this era's Brady versus Manning. You know, everybody was wondering what's going to be the next Brady versus Manning. I think we got it. I think it's going to be Herbert and Mahomes, man. I'm very, very excited to not only are they going to be going up against each other in the AFC, they're in the same damn division. So we get the two CDs to go head to head twice a year, man. I think that's a very, very exciting development for the NFL going forward. And my final storyline coming from week three is the Jets are still the fucking Jets. I mean, look, man, what Zach Wilson is doing out there, I know we talked about this earlier, my brother's on here, you know, he's still a rookie, you can't really kill him for that, but man, he looks brutal, and you go down south, and you look what Sam Darnold's doing, man, he looks like a completely different quarterback, he's got confidence, he's completing throws, you know, and, and, and it just really shows you that, you know, if you're a Jet fan, I really feel bad for Jets fans, as you drafted Donald, now he looks good in this prize possession you got with a number two, I think it was number two or number three pick in Zach Wilson. And he looking like shit. And to me, it's just like it's the whole same 
old Jets thing, and I want to know, can they pivot from that? Can they put the tools around uh, Zach Wilson and give him the proper system for him to elevate? Because if not, you're going to be looking like, damn, we wasted two picks now with Wilson and Darnold, man. So that's something that really stuck out for me, and I want Jets fans to keep their heads up. And This is kind of funny coming from a Bears fan, but the Jets have had it way worse than me over the last couple of years. So Jets fans, stay up, man. But, um, Let's get into my predictions recap from this week. Now, this past week, I had another great week. I went 12-4 and four in my predictions. Like I've been saying, listen here to Negro Domus. I know what I'm telling y'all. My total is 32-16 and 16 win-loss column in these first three weeks of the season, man. Uh, now, I'm going to get into my predictions in a minute. Now, I will say we have no gambling odds for you this week. Mikey will be back on the show next week to do gambling with Mikey. He's going to get into all of that. He'll have your odds. But you can still follow him at Junior underscore Salito on Twitter. He's going to tweet this week's odds on that. So, check that out today on his Twitter feed, man. But he will be back next week. Now, as we get into week four, man, we got some big games coming up. Some big games coming up. Uh, I'm going to my top three must-watch games for this week. So at number three, I'm going to go with Chargers-Raiders, man. Big game, SoFi Stadium on Monday Night Football. And this will be the first time I'm actually going to listen to the actual Monday Night crew because we have to go three weeks, three weeks without the Manning cast. I, I'm, I'm upset about that. We we can't see Eli and Pitt, Peyton go back and forth. It's been excellent television the last three weeks. But they won't be back to week seven, so we actually got to listen to, you know, Brian Greasy, my man Lewis Riddick, and I forgot who else is on there. So we actually got to listen to that crew. But it's going to be a big game. Uh, SoFi Stadium is doing a double dip this week with the Rams and the Chargers. So the Chargers will be hosting against the Raiders. If you are going to this game, make sure you are protected because anytime it's a Raiders game in Los Angeles, very high chance somebody's getting stabbed. So make sure you are healthy and make sure you are protecting yourself if you're going to that Monday Night Football game. But this is going to be my third game. And we the Chargers are 2-1. The Raiders are 3-0 and right now. We talked about uh, pretenders and uh, contenders, a two-minute drill, which you can check out on Barber's Chat Network right now. Uh, I said the Raiders are a pretender. I'm going to stick with that. I do not believe in Derek Carr, and I do feel like uh, this is something the Chargers can take advantage of. So that would be my number three watch, uh, most watched game. My number two most watched game will be another game taking place at SoFi Stadium, the 3-0 and Rams taking on 3-0 and Cardinals, man. We got man-man. Kyler Murray coming in. That that on-fire offense they've got in Arizona, which is a huge game for Arizona. Uh, I want to see just how real Arizona is here. And this is really going to set the tone in the NFC uh, West, man. Everybody in that division outside the Seahawks are undefeated. So this is going to be a real big, big game. Two big games so far stadium this week. Now, the number one must-watch game is the game that everybody's talking about. And I say it's must-watch more mainly because of the storyline around. I don't actually particularly think this game is going to be any good, but it is Patriots and Buccaneers. Tom Brady's long-awaited return to Foxborough Gillette Stadium. Everybody saw the overdramatic-ass ad that they had on NBC with, uh, with Adele playing over it, you know, with Brady and Belichick. Even though it was super uh, overdramatic, I thought it was awesome. It gave me chills watching it. But I don't think this is going to be the smooth homecoming that everybody thinks it's going to be, specifically because Tom Brady's coming there to wreck shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Brady even went on Larry Fitzgerald's podcast this week, and he said Sunday's no time for reminiscing. He's coming there to kick the shit out of them. And... 
I think he would. I, I think Tom Brady would die on that field before he loses to the fucking Patriots. Before he loses to Bill Belichick, with Bill Belichick basically telling him, "We don't believe you can do it anymore," and that's why he let him walk. And I think it'll be a nice reception by the crowd. But I think it's going to get ugly. I think it's going to go over there. The defense is going to take this personal because they want to win this for Tom. Tom is going to take this personal. And on top of that, Tom Brady is 16 yards away from passing Drew Brees for the most passing yards. Be the, the least leading passer uh, of all time. You know what I'm saying? Of course, him and uh, uh, Brees was going at it back and forth last year. But Brees retired, so Brady's going to be firmly in that number one spot. Are they going to give him a round of applause there? Are they going to stop the game? That's something interesting I'm willing to see. But I do think it's going to be a blowout. But it's going to be something that everybody wants to watch. This is the equivalent of Michael Jordan returning to the Bulls. But not really that. This will be the equivalent of like Michael Jordan if he went to the Wizards and won a championship with the Wizards. Then came back to Chicago and Phil Jackson was still here. And there was some bad blood between him and uh, Mike. So really, this is something we've never seen before in sports. So I'm really interested to see that. So that's my number one most watched game of week four, man. So let's get into our week four predictions. Uh, like I said, last week I went 12 and four. My total was 32 and 16. So I think I know what the fuck I'm talking about. So listen to me, sit down, listen to Negro Domus as we get into our week four predict- predictions, man. It kicks off tonight, week four, Thursday night football, Bengals and Jaguars. Now, for the most part, outside of last week, Thursday night football has been pretty good. The Bengals are a team that's on the come up. They might be better than we think. The Jaguars stink, but you can 100% sell me on Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence. I'm all the way down for this one. I'm going to say the Bengals win this one, and the Bengals are going to go 3-1. 3-1 in that division, man. So that's how I'm going to go with that one. Uh, Bears-Lions, I'll preview on Saturday Night the Hallis, so check that out. Saturday Night the Hallis preview podcast will be on our Patreon on Saturday. And if you want to know, you can listen to that too. Patreon.com backslash Barber's Chat Network. The preview pod is only for the $10 subscribers, so subscribe. Check that out. You can check me, my brother Flows. We'll get y'all scores, full breakdown prediction of Bears-Lions. So check that out on there. Uh, Washington football team versus the Falcons. I kind of went back and forth about this. Uh, I'm going to go Washington. Uh, I really wanted to pick the Falcons because I feel like they're a better offense than Washington, but I just really just don't trust that defense. I don't trust that defense. Washington still has a pretty good defense, and I think they're going to go out there and they're going to take the W on that one. Bills, Texans, the Bills have bounced back perfectly from that week one loss against the Steelers. But since you've seen the Steelers play since then, it's actually been kind of Kind of puzzling that they played that bad, but they, they beat the crap out of their last two opponents, and I expect nothing less for them, too. The Texans are bad. Uh, they don't have Tyrod Taylor right now. I think it's going to get ugly, so I'm going to go with the Bills with that one. Uh, Cowboys, Panthers. Man, the Cowboys looking for real. Cowboys looking for real. Um, Dak is elite. They had a big win this past week at the crib against the Philadelphia Eagles. Nice one says, it's really nice to see Jimmy Johnson back in Dallas, man. That's how it should be. Uh, he's going to be inducted into the Cowboy Ring of Honor at some point. Jerry Jones came up, said that he was going to do that. It's good to see Jerry and Jimmy get on the same page. Those two built that winning culture in the 90s in Dallas. Uh, with those three championships they won in four seasons. It's good to see that. It was good to see the playmaker. Good to see Emmitt. Emmitt looked like he was smacked. You know, he looked like he had a couple deuces in his cup. Uh, you know, it's good to see the whole triplets everybody back together again. So, uh, I think the Cowboys are going to win this. And the Panthers have been pretty good. Panthers are 3-0. and But I just think the Cowboys are the better team. Dak is the better quarterback. And we're starting to see some some life from Ezekiel Elliott. And the defense is starting to make plays, man. Shout out to, uh, to Diggs, man. Shout out to Diggs. He's been great. And uh, I think the Cowboys are going to win this one. 
Uh, the Colts get to play the Dolphins in Miami. Tua, Tua's still not going to play this week. Um, the Colts have been bad. The Colts have been bad. Carson Wentz hasn't really been good either, but I do think they're better than the Dolphins. I think I think they'll win that one. And if you're the NFL, you really want the Colts to start doing better because, of course, we all know they're going to have the in-season hard knocks, which will be uh, dropping uh, in November, which will actually go through the season with the Indianapolis Colts. And you don't want to watch a team that fucking sucks. So the NFL needs them to get better. And I think they'll get their first uh, W this week against Miami. Uh, Browns and Vikings in Minnesota. This is going to be an interesting game. Uh, the Vikings offense is looks real, real good right now. Kirk Cousins looks real, real good right now. But we all know how every Kirk Cousins seasons go. He starts off hot, he trails off at the end, and you realize why the fuck he's Kirk Cousins. Uh, the defense has not been good. It's not the the trademark defense that we know come from Minnesota. I do very much think that uh, Zimmer is on a hot seat this season. And I really ain't been that impressed with the with the with the Browns either. Like you know that the the, the uh, three and one right now. I mean two and one is it? It's three and one or two and one right now. My bad. Two and one right now. They should have beat the hell out the Bears. Like this, and that's why I got to give credit to the Bears defense. They should have scored forty five. So I've not really been that much impressed with them. But I do think they're going to be enough to beat the Vikings. Um, and the Vikings going to be looking down a little dark hole going one and three. Saints and Giants. Another bad game. The Giants are terrible. Uh, Saints are going to win this one easily. They're going to win this one easily. I think that defense is going to knock Daniel Dimes in the mouth. I think we get a solid Jameis game, and I think the Saints go ahead and win that one. Titans-Jets, another game that I will not waste a second watching. Titans are going to easily blow the Jets out. (laughs) Chiefs-Eagles, God bless the Philadelphia Eagles because it is going to be ugly this week. The uh, Chiefs are coming in pissed off two losses. Um, they're, they're, they're looking one and three in the eye. They do not want to go one and three. Um, Jalen Hurts does not look good. It might be Gardner Minshew time soon in Philadelphia. I think it's going to be a, a, a straight up destruction. We're going to get angry Pat Mahomes. I just think that defense is going to make a couple plays, pick off Jalen Hurts a couple times. I'm going with, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs in this one. Uh, Rams Cardinal, which is my number two game to watch over the week. I do think the Rams are going to win this one. I think the Rams moved to 4-0. I think it's going to be a very, very highly scoring game. But I've got way more faith in that Rams defense than I do in the Cardinals defense. And I think that Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, those boys will make that play at the end to seal that one up. So I think the Rams are going to win this one and go 4-0 on the season. Now we got Seahawks Niners, man. This is going to be an interesting game. Seahawks Niners is always is one of the best rivalries in the NFL over the last decade. Uh, the Niners coming off a tough loss against the Packers. And the Seahawks are 1-2 right now. They're looking at 1-3 in the eye. I do think the Seahawks are going to win this one. I think the Seahawks are going to win it because they can't afford to lose this. Especially in that division. Can't afford to lose this. I think it's going to be a big game from Russ. I think the defense can make a couple plays out there, and I think they're going to win just because they they desperately need it. They're, they're, they're playing on desperation right now, and that's just really where I'm going to go with. More than the football aspect, I really don't have a football reason for why they're going to win. I just feel like they just can't go one and three, and I think it's gonna, Russ is going to find a way to get this team a W in that one. Uh, Broncos, Ravens. Broncos, another surprising team. 3-0 and right now. Defense is good as always. Vic Fangio-led defense is looking good. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater's been good so far. And the Ravens. The Ravens have, have been a, a, a scrappy bunch. They're 2-1 right now. Coming off a huge comeback win in Detroit last week. Big four, big throw by uh, Lamar Jackson on 4th and 19. Justin Tucker making the 
biggest and longest kick in NFL history, 66-yarder, to give the Ravens the win. But I think uh, I think the Broncos are going to win a very highly contested game, but they're at the crib, they're in Denver, and I think they're going to make one more defensive play than the Ravens will. So I'm going to go with the Broncos. The Broncos move to 4-0. So that's why I'm going to go with that one. Packers-Steelers. The Steelers are a hot fucking mess right now. Ben Roethlisberger, a.k.a. Uh, that criminal, he has looked fucking washed. I mean, he's looked washed for years, but now he looks like he just really needs to go home and, and, just, and just, just leave. And I think the, the bigger picture here why the Steelers are fucked up is they have not found a successor. Like, you know, Ben has showed signs of decline over the last four or five seasons, and they have done nothing to bring in that next guy for the Steelers. And I think that's a long-term problem here. Uh, this one, I think the Packers are going to go in there. They're going to kick the ass. I think Rodgers, Rodgers is starting to get his mojo back. Last week, he actually looked like the, the Rodgers of old. And I think the Packers are going to, you know, Packers got a tough schedule too. But I think this is going to get them, uh, you know, rolling. Get them to 3-1 and one on, on the campaign. I think it's going to be a blowout. And then uh, Bucks patriots like I said, it's going to be my number one must-watch game. I got the Bucks by at least two touchdowns. Tom Brady's gonna be vicious. Tom Brady's gonna go out there and break Drew Brees' record. I'm going at least three to four touchdowns for Brady. Uh, I think that uh, that the Buccaneers' defense is really gonna step up. They were embarrassed last week playing against the Rams, and they're gonna make Mac Jones' life a living hell. So I got the Patriots. I mean, I got the Buccaneers in a, in, a, in a blowout victory on Sunday Night Football. Then on Monday, big game: Chargers and Raiders. Uh, it's going to be a nice Monday night football game. I think the Chargers are going to win this one to move 3-1. and one. I do not believe in the Raiders. I do not believe in Derek Carr. I do not believe in John Gruden's play call. And I think they had a very soft schedule uh, to begin this season. And I think that stops this week. And the Chargers are going to really start to plant that flag in this division. So those are my week four predictions, man. We'll see if I can go 13-3 or 14-2 next week. That would be awesome uh, to lead that up, man. So that's my week four wrap-up. Now, last topic of the day before we get into our Goofy Mog of the Week. NBA Media Day, man. The NBA is back October 19th. The NBA season will be kicking off a double dip. We got the uh, ring night. Milwaukee Bucks, the champions, going to be getting their banner going up against the Brooklyn Nets. And, of course, we got... The first fully full-capacity game at Staples Center for the Lakers in over two years. The Lakers' new-look Lakers are going to be hosting Stephen Curry and the Golden State Warriors, man. So we're about three weeks away from the season starting media day. A lot of quotes coming out of media day, and I just want to talk about the Bulls first before I get into the nitty-gritty of what was said. The Bulls media day. This has been the most excited I've been for a Bulls season Whew, probably it's in about 10 years. The last time I was this excited was probably 2011, 2012, uh, coming off that Eastern Conference Finals appearance. I thought they were going to make the finals. Of course, Derrick Rose towards ACL that year, and then, you know, everything went to hell after that. But this team, the Bulls, what they've assembled, it's the most talent I've seen on this team in a minute. You know, Zach Levine coming into a contract year. Uh, Arturis Karnasova, uh met the media on media day along with head coach Billy Donovan, and he said that, you know, they're fully committed to Zach. And that they're going to get the deal done. It's not a worry about this. All y'all motherfuckers out there can put y'all trade machines up. Zach ain't going anywhere. Everybody's like, oh, he signed with Clutch. He's going to the Lakers. We got to stop thinking everybody who signs with Clutch is going to the Lakers. We do know the Lonzo Ball is a Clutch uh, 
client. So there's a relationship there between the front office and Rich Paul. I have no uh, doubt about that. I think Zach is going to get it done. But I also feel like the Bulls are also watching why the deal hasn't happened yet to see can Zach lead this team to the playoffs. You know, you got to see exactly what kind of player you have as far as the leadership aspect. We know Zach can hoop. But now Zach has to go out there and lead a playoff team. So I think that's what they're waiting to, too, before they give him the full max contract. But I have full uh, faith in Zach to get that done. I have full faith in the Bulls front office to getting this deal done. But you've got Zach Levine. It's eighth season. First year with all this talent. you got DeMar DeRozan. you got Lonzo Ball. Uh, Patrick Williams is going to be sidelined for the first couple games of the season. He's got an ankle issue. Ankle issue. Now, of course, it was only announced this week, but it's, re- it's retroactive to September 15th. Uh, he did a little practice in this week, and he might only miss the first three to four games. So it's not that big of a deal. Kobe White is uh, still rehabbing. Uh, he's looking better, but he's probably going to miss the first couple weeks of the season. So it's a, a big opportunity for Io. Big opportunity for Io to come in there and get some minutes out there and see the help. But the Bulls, to me, and of course we'll get more in-depth on this on uh, my Bulls podcast, the third pick, with the homie Mariano. You can check out our uh, preview next week. But I think this Bulls team... Anything less than a six seed to me will be a disappointment because this team has too much talent to be a playing team. They have to host. They have to have. A, uh, they have to be in a series to start to start the thing off, man. So that's why I would say for them, that's my uh, prediction for them. I think they can win in between 47, 48 games. Health is going to be a big issue. But if you look at this team last year, this team won 31 games. That's with Zach missing like 20. Uh, Vooch was only there for, what, like 30 of those games. And then also it was a, it was 10 games shorter than the usual season, only 72 games last year. So I think 47 to 48 wins is, uh, is, uh, is, is reasonable. And, of course, it's media day. Everybody says the, the, the quotes. Everybody think there's a chance of media day. So you can't put too much stock in it. But I do think it's refreshing to hit the players, hit the front office. I really liked AK's uh, demeanor. He's like, yeah, you know, we signed a lot of players this year. We got a good team on paper, but we still got to go out there and earn it. You know, there's nothing that's given to us. I really felt like it was much different than what we heard from Gar Pax over the last decade plus. You know, Gar Pax would have been taking a fucking victory lap. And AK's like, no, nah, we still got to see what the fuck we got. So that's why I love from the Bulls, man. But let's talk about the rest of the media day. Uh, vac- vaccinations was a huge topic. At media day, uh, you know, Bradley Bill went out there and said, we know, I don't have it. It's a personal decision. You can still get COVID if you don't have the vaccination, blah, 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 blah. And I thought it was really funny that 24 hours, he's back up that podium saying, oh, by the way, I still plan to take the vaccine. I just had COVID. And I got to wait 60 days past. I didn't say I wasn't going to take it. Somebody must have talked to him. I don't know who it was, but uh, that was the funny part of me. But Kyrie Irving, let's get to my man Kyrie. I love Kyrie, man, but it's, man, with Kyrie, if it's not one thing, it's another. If it's not the vaccination, it's him not feeling like he wants to fucking play. I know we all say, oh, well, you know, mental health is important, which it is. I'm not saying it's not, but you still have an obligation to your team. And I feel like Kyrie does too much off the handle shit, and it's becoming a real detriment to the Brooklyn Nets. If I was Kevin Durant, I'd be pissed the hell off that I left Golden State. I left Golden State to do this, like, the Nets are an interesting team this year because I don't really know what they can do. They can win a championship if you look strictly off the talent with Kevin Durant, James Harden in the full season, and Kyrie Irving. But there's still huge injury concerns. Can Harden stay healthy for a full season? Can KD stay healthy for a full season? Can Kyrie stay healthy for a full season? You got those issues. And on top of that, you don't know when the fuck Kyrie's going to take a sabbatical. 
You know, if, if it's not the vaccine, it's, hey, I don't feel like talking. I don't feel like hooping today. And, you know, you go on Twitter, people saying, oh, well, you know, if you don't feel like going to work, you can go. Okay, that's it's a difference when you don't feel like going to your job at fucking, I don't know, whatever fucking place you work at. If you work at uh, fucking Foot Locker or some shit, you don't feel like going into your shift, cool. This dude is getting paid multi-million dollars. You need to show up to work. You, it's not only looking, you're bailing out your teammates. It don't look good. And if you're really going through some personal stuff, fine. You tell them, I'm going through this. I'm going to take a personal leave of absence. That's just, it's just, it's just, I'm just getting fed up with it. I'm not even a Nets fan. I can bet if I was a Nets fan or somebody in that, in that front office, they're fed up with it. And now we go to the vaccination thing to where it's, it's mandatory for players. You can't even enter the building in New York in California, in California, if you don't, if you're not vaccinated, you can't even do that. You see, the Lakers are 100 vaccinated. You know, you can't even have that issue. So, Kyrie is potentially gonna miss 41 games at home, and not only that, you're going to possibly miss, you know, games in California, and it's just asinine to me. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm not, I'm not going in on anybody who feels like they need to do more research. If you're actually going to do your research to find out about it, cool, do that. LeBron said that he did it. He ended up doing a shot. But there's a lot of people who are going on YouTube University. And Kyrie's one of them motherfuckers. And I just think it's it's completely irresponsible. And also, I think it's the media's fault too. I think it's the media's fault too because we also got to pay attention to the fact that the NBA is 90% vaccinated. So it's not really that big of a problem. There's only a couple people who are just talking. I think we need to highlight the people who are. There's 90%. Those are great numbers. I think those are higher numbers than the NFL and the MLB, if I'm not mistaken. And I think CJ McCollum tweeted that out too. Let's pay attention to that. So that's one thing that with, if you look at across the league, man, it's going to be an interesting season. You know, Lakers had their uh, media day. Uh, it was, you know, LeBron is in his 19th season. Of course, you all know I'm not, a, I'm not a LeBron fan, but I think it's incredible that he's still sitting here at 19, year 19. He got drafted. I was 14 years old. I'm going to be 33 next month. He's still here. He's still playing at a very high level. And I think the Lakers are the most interesting team in the league. You know, on paper, they're stacked. If we just looked on paper, you got love. You got six future Hall of Famers on that roster. And LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, uh, Carl Anthony and Dwight Howard, those are four, you know, first ballot Hall of Famers. You know, Anthony Davis, too, my bad. Anthony Davis, too. Those are five first ballot Hall of Famers. I do think Rondo will get in the Hall of Fame, too. I don't think it's going to be a first ballot, but I do think he's going to get in. So that's six Hall of Famers, five first ballot. And I'm just really interested to see what's going to happen. I think the biggest key here, obviously, is the health. And not just the health of the team, the health of Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is, is the key that moves this team. Can he stay healthy? He wasn't healthy last year. He ain't been healthy his whole damn career. So it really doesn't matter what happens with this team if Anthony Davis can't stay healthy. And I do think they're going to have a good regular season. Now, I do think they're going to finish probably with the first or second seed in the Western Conference because Russell Westbrook is a great regular season player. I love Russ. I love Russ's energy. You can never say that Russ takes a playoff because he doesn't. My question is playoff time. Russ is frustrating because he has all that talent and he just goes brain dead in the playoffs. Like his basketball IQ is is way too fucking low. So that's an issue there too. I love Carmelo Anthony. Love Carmelo. Carmelo's the only player who turned down one of my teams and I was still cool. Melo, I love Melo, and I think they're really bringing that defensive presence back with with uh with uh Rondo and Dwight Howard, which I felt like they were missing on last year's team. So they're gonna be a good team on paper. And if you look at the landscape of the West, the Clippers 
aren't going to have Kawhi for most, if not all of the season, even if a small chance that he does come back this season, he's not going to be the Kawhi of old. I think that kind of eliminates the Clippers from this. We don't know what you're going to get with Denver because Jamal Murray's going to miss half of all the season. And then can Utah make that leap? So I don't really think there's that big of a, a challenge for the Lakers coming into this season. But there's also injury. There's also age. I think this season's going to go one or two ways for the Lakers. They're either going to kick everybody ass and go to the finals and potentially win, or it's going to fall off the rails real quick. I think there's no in-between. So I'm interested to see that. Now going on to Milwaukee. Milwaukee, I feel like, is going under the radar. I think a lot of people bringing out those injuries. You know, Kyrie Irving, James Harden were injured in the second round series. Uh, Trey Young missed the final games of the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, and, of course, the Lakers weren't, uh, you know, weren't around, and neither was Kawhi Leonard in the West. And that probably affected whether the Phoenix was going to win or not. But I really feel like I wouldn't be shocked if Milwaukee went back-to-back. For the simple fact that the monkey is off their back now. And there was a big question of can Giannis win you a championship? Is Chris Middleton a legit number two? All those questions have been answered to me. And I think that they have a real good chance. If you look at the Eastern Conference landscape, man, Miami, Miami could be a threat. We don't know what's going on with Philly. You know, I, I'm pretty much, everybody should accept the fact Ben Simmons is going to be traded. It's just a matter of who they're going to get back. And then all that falls on Embiid to stay healthy. And then, of course, we don't know what's going on with the Nets injury-wise. Is Kyrie even going to be available? So it's going to be interesting to watch. Man, I'm excited for this NBA season. Also excited for my Bulls to be watchable. And I think it's going to be a lot going on, man. And it's going to be fun. But, you know, let's just highlight... Let's highlight people who are vaccinated and taking care of their business instead of people who are not. You know, and I just feel like, you know, hopefully Kyrie comes to a season. And, you know, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to watch over these next couple weeks, man. So those are my thoughts on NBA Media Day. We're going to wrap this up with our Goofy Mog of the Week. Going to give my Goofy Mog of the Week to the San Diego Padres, man. The San Diego Padres have been officially eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, the playoffs are starting. I can't wait. Next week we're going to get into our playoff uh, preview. Um... San Diego Padres, one of the top teams. Everybody fell in love with the Padres this offseason. You know, talk about Fernando Tatis, and they got the best pitcher staff in baseball. And got give the A.J. Preller. He's the best general manager in, in, in baseball and blah, 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 blah. Them dudes ain't even make the damn playoffs this year, man. They, they, they completely fumbled in the second half. Uh, you know, Tatis missed a couple games, but it wasn't enough to make that big of an impact as far as losing games. This is not – the. They're looking like a real one-man show right now. And that's what all due respect to Manny Machado. Manny Machado had another great season this year. But they're looking like a, a one-man show. That pitching staff was not what we thought it was going to be at all. You know, you Darvish has been so-so. Uh, Blake Snell was not the dude we saw in the World Series last year and the whole run for the Rays last year. He couldn't even get past the fifth inning a lot of times. And now they've got they've, they've got to face some good to see. I think Jace, I think uh, Jace Tingler, I think he's out of there. Um, you know, uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a problem, man. I just really want to, everybody. They were they're the paper champions. They're the offseason champions. Everybody gave it to them. They were they were on all these magazine covers, and they flat, fell flat on their ass, man. There's no reason that the fucking St. Louis Cardinals should have passed y'all up. You know, there's no reason that the Cincinnati Reds should have passed y'all up. It, it's just it's just fucking ridiculous, man. And I think big changes are coming to the to San Diego. A lot of guys ain't gonna be coming back, man. So that's gonna be something to watch. So I gotta give the Goofy Mog a week to them. It's straight up failure by them. You know, last year he made the playoff, but it was sixty games, man. Who the fuck cares? It's sixty damn games. This is one hundred sixty two games 
of war and attrition. Can you survive? And they did not. And on another note, Snogophy Mar related, St. Louis Cardinals, man. They got that Cardinal Devil Magic going again, man. 17 in a row. They clinched their final wild card spot. I would not want to play them motherfuckers next week. Whether it's the Dodgers or the Char- or the uh or the Giants in the wild card game next week. I know either one of them is gonna have home field, but I wouldn't want to play them, man. That's a scary team right now. That is a scary team right now. And Man, that's somebody you need to pay attention to, man. But that's my Goofball of the Week, San Diego Padres. Thank you for joining me for another edition of the show. I want to shout out everybody who's watching this show, man. Shout out all the feedback on Twitter. That for getting all the love. Everybody's been reposting the clips on Twitter and Instagram. We appreciate you. I want to shout out my super producers, Pavi and uh, TPJ. Um, you know what I'm saying? Shout out HB Media. You can follow them, HB Media TV on Twitter. Follow HB Media on Instagram. And uh, follow the Barber's Chat Network at Barber's Chat Net. Subscribe, patreon.com backslash Barber's Chat Network. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Barber's at Barber Chair Scott. And uh, go White Sox, man. Let's go win this whole fucking thing, man. I'll holler at y'all next week. We're going to preview, talk about week four, preview week five, and we're going to preview the MLB playoffs, man. I'm going to tell you who's going to host up, hoist up that commissioner's trophy next month. We out. Money on the other line, so I'm not going to hold you. Money on the other line, so I'm not going to hold you. Money on the other line, so I'm not going to hold you. Money on the other line, so I'm not going to hold you. Money on the other line.